What's up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a podcast about all things Dungeons and Dragons. I'm one of your sick hosts, Trevor Bettis, and with me this week is... Allie Deitchman. And we're both sick. Yay! Uh, this week we're going to be talking about, well, Eberron rising from the last war and the Rick and Morty Dungeons and Dragons box. Plus, you know, answering some listener questions at the end because that's what we do here. But first, Allie, how are your games this week? They were fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, so I had a chance to talk with you about, like, what I should do and approach because I am approaching. You, you talked to extremely sick brain Trevor. I know. About what to do. But you I don't helpful. remember what I said. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I am approaching what uh, Adventures League would be calling the next tier. Oh. <laughs> Um, they're level 14 right now and I've never DM'd for like this high a level. And so I was wanting to like approach the concept of how do I introduce the idea that they're getting close to a godly tier kind of situation. Mm -hmm. And so we had a talk about that and I adjusted some things of how I originally was going to do it. And I feel like it's going to work a lot better now. And I'm really (laughs) excited. Basically they managed to get to a portal to the Feywild. And at first they didn't realize it was a portal, but then they're like, okay, yeah, no, this is definitely a portal. And they went in um, and they kind of found out what's going on because I kind of laid it all out way earlier in the campaign. Like all of a sudden all the druids are gone, literally. Oh no. Every single druid is gone. And then on top of that, the entirety of the Emerald Enclave is also gone from Faerun as well. Oh damn. And they don't know why. And so... People have been trying to find out in Neverwinter, but to no avail. And so our adventurers who just kind of happenstance literally trip upon a a portal, uh, not happenstance, but you know, they find an Emerald Enclave amongst a ton of Eladrin and an encampment after, you know, coming in contact with the Fomorian warrior. And (laughs) he's laughing because that's a... That's, uh, that's that's been a joke with between us for a long time. From <laughs> if if you've played the MMO, you know exactly where that's from. <laughs> and they they got in contact with one of these things, and they were severely grossed out, and it was awesome. And they're like, okay, well, let's try scrying on the big bad again. And they were able to do it. And they're like, oh, hey. oh my God, where is he? And it's like, well, he's in a courtyard and he's bowing to someone. And they're like, what? And then it's like, what you look at what he's bowing at and it's the Fomorian king you were warned about. And they're like, this went from bad to really worse. <laughs> <laughs> and so now they're about to go meet an old, old friend that they met when they were like level three. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, Archdru- Archdruid Morning Dawn. Uh, who's from Neverwinter, and they're going to fill her in on what's going on, and she's going to fill them in on what's going on, and we'll, we'll go from there. It'll be exciting and fun. Nice. What about you? Um. Oh, God. That's right. Okay, yeah. That happened before I got sick. There's a big fog wall between then and now. Um, <laughs> by the way, listeners, if you hear me cough in the distance, I apologize. I will not do it into the mic as best I can. <laughs> um. So, let's see. Hey, they won. They did good shit. Hey! They're, they, they, um... I, this is not gonna. I'm gonna go spoiler light now on stuff, so don't worry. They're in. A, they're in a place in Chult. Everybody's celebrating. I said that we ended with Valindra Shadow Mantle like over Uthal last time. Turned out it wasn't. It was uh, a good character, and oh. she was like, "Hey, do this thing again." I'm gonna go real vague from yeah. now on. Um, basically, what happened? What ha- happened was um, they met with a character from Storm King's Thunder. And they 
uh, talked over what they were going to do, if they were going to basically be the Fellowship of the Ring, or if they were actually going to go back to the storyline that I bought a few months ago. <laughs> I had no pushing whatsoever. I was very note-light yeah. this game. Uh, in fact, we had zero combat. Because uh, it was mostly just like, hey, what are we doing now? <laughs> so uh, what they ended up deciding was we're going to go back to Storm King's Thunder. Um, I had thought about doing about kind of trying to push them towards doing not a pre-written story just so that these segments could be spoiler free. But basically what I decided is I'm just going to be really vague and stuff now. Yeah. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail. That's what we'll save for possibly that YouTube series we keep talking about and who the hell knows if it's ever going to happen. <laughs> I don't. I'm sick. My brain's fucked. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they decided that they're going to go back to Storm King's Thunder. So they got back on their airship, flew from Cholt. They're back in the Sword Coast, and they're currently chilling in Neverwinter. You know, they bought magic items. I know. My, 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 new player, <laughs> my, my brother-in-law, Nick, brought up this concept. He was like, I want to buy some boots of winter kind since we're going to the north. And everyone's like, oh, should we do that? <laughs> I think we should do that. Oh, also probably worth mentioning, Uthal has now expanded the tavern from Dragon Heist into a franchise and now has two locations in Cholt. Which I fucking love. Yep. <laughs> Fine Spirits 2, the sequel, and Fine Spirits 3, the next one. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, you know, that, that's good stuff that's going on there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll find out what happens next. That's going to be fun. Get, read a book again. Read a campaign book. That was fun. Oh, like, yeah. I don't have to come up with this shit. Yeah, it's I don't have there. to be scared about what next week holds because it's already there. That's beautiful. I love it. It's mm -hmm. like a comforting embrace. And on top of that, I can talk to you about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> you've already warned me like, hey, some shit's fucky. Let me tell you some good stuff. <laughs> um, But that's all that happened with me. So... Let's move into some broadsheets, which there are zero of. The wall is empty. There's no news. Well, there is. It's just we've already taken it down and we're talking about it. That's fair. Yeah, <laughs> we've already pulled that little last stub off of there. We're going to be talking about Eberron and uh, Dungeons and Dragons versus Rick and Morty, which leads me into uh, some freaking, uh, the, the oh, God, I can't think. Dungeon, Dungeon keeping. keeping. There's the word. <laughs> I said last week that uh, the Rick and Morty box came out on the 14th. That was a lie. A little one. <laughs> yeah. Not a lie I intended. Uh, it came out on the 19th. I don't know where I saw the 14th or if my brain was just in pre-sick mode. I don't know. <laughs> but I was wrong. Sorry about that. If you went looking for it and were disappointed, I screwed up. And I'm, I'm sorry. Don't hate me. Uh, the other piece of uh, dungeon keeping is... Uh, one of our listeners, Brian Schmidt, who's freaking awesome, uh, yep. made, uh, I, we talked about him last week because he sent in a question. He did a Kickstarter for a book called Tome of Delving, and he was super awesome and cool and uh, sent Allie and I both a copy of it. And I'm yeah. holding it here in my hand. It's very pretty and very cool. And so what we decided we're going to do is we're going to do a visual review of it because I do feel like this one's more visual than talking about it. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to probably do that on instagram through instagram tv uh because we're still youtube nerds or <laughs> youtube noobs that was the word god brain words you got this um <laughs> yeah and so we're gonna do it on there uh it's just gonna be kind of an overhead view of it and her yeah. and ali and, and i talking about it so look out for that we're gonna uh record it and post it sometime soon we'll you know pay attention to our twitter and instagram you know at difficulty class and at difficulty podcast and uh we'll let you know when that's going on and mm -hmm. we'll let you know in dungeon keeping i think that's all there was i think so too are you out okay. of breath yet a little bit a little bit <laughs> kind of regretting not getting water before this but let's continue uh so the first thing we're going to talk about is this box here 
Yes, the, the Rick and Morty. Dungeons and Dragons versus Rick and Morty. Yeah. Uh, so this is kind of like the Stranger Things box. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a intellectual property that, you know, they decided to do some D&D stuff with a little less so because Rick and Morty never really had any D&D stuff in it. I think there was like maybe a joke or two there. But then last year, I think it was, they did the comic. Yeah, they did an entire comic series with it. Yeah, and the sequel one's coming out. Mm-hmm. I think it's going on right now and coming out in trade soon. Uh, but they did a box set, and they announced this at Descent into Avernus event. Um, uh, Jim Zub announced it, because uh, I think, I'm pretty sure he worked on this. Um, so, I'm going to go over what the contents are real quick. And I'm not going to drop all the dice on the table, because that made a really loud no- noise this time. Yeah. So, there are dice. Uh, it's a full set, like what we've been getting. 4D6, 2D20, all the good stuff. And they're in this really cool yellow and blue Rick and yeah. Morty font. And I really like... Well, it's not the font. It's the color. It doesn't have the font on it, which would have been cool, but I'm not going to knock them for not doing a font. Uh, then... We're going in order of what my box had because I looked at stuff. You get an adventure. It is called The Lost Dungeon of Rickedness. Big Rick Energy. Yeah. As you can see, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of that in here. Uh, then you got a rule book, uh, which has a bunch of the characters from the show on it and D&D styling. You get a DM screen, which is actually pretty cool. This is only the second time we've had a mm-hmm. DM screen in one of these boxes with the Essentials kit. Yeah, it's like the same style as DM screen, too. It's kind of shorter, and it's made of the same material to where it's that little bit thin, mm-hmm. uh, flimsy feel. But honestly, that's all you really need for yeah. just playing like a single game like that. And the artwork is really cool. It's all Rick and Morty with oh, yeah. the whole family fighting D&D monsters. It's, I, I love it. And on the inside, you know, it's got all the same D&D information, but all the artwork is Rick like, and Morty-ified. Like, mm-hmm. all of the monsters for sizes are just monster-fied versions of Morty. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's really good. They and there, and there's some jokes in there, too, with Rick throwing stuff in. Um, and then the other thing you get is some pre-made characters. Um, and they're on these really cool character sheets that are, you know, got some green, colorful stuff. What's kind of neat is they changed up where the flaw and stuff is. Oh. So instead of taking up one side of it, it's they're grouped into two columns and at the top. Okay. So it kind of gets it out of the way and they have cool... Like little... a portrait as well. That yeah, takes have... up a good chunk of the space. Yeah, they got a portrait showing you, like, the character from the show that you're mm-hmm. playing as and stuff like that. They're really cool. They're nice, thick paper, too. Oh, They're wow. thicker yeah. than the normal ones, um, and they have information on the back for leveling up. Actually, now that I look at it, it's kind of interesting. It levels up to five, despite the adventure only going to three. Oh. Yeah. Um, well, that's cool. So you can at least continue playing if you wanted to. Yeah, which I will get to in a little bit yeah. <laughs> about that. Uh, yeah, as a heads up, I've had a, a some time to look at this. Allie has not because we've been working a bunch and everything. Yeah. But, uh, and also, you, you even suppose you don't, you haven't watched Rick and Morty. No, yeah, uh, that's, that's another thing entirely. I actually have never seen an episode of Rick and Morty. It's, it's not necessarily my cup of tea. Yeah. But. Tara and I got into it at some point, and, like, we, we haven't seen any of the new season. I know season four is going on right now, mm-hmm. but we've only seen through season three. And, you know, we like it. We're not oh, like, yeah. oh my god, I love Rick and Morty. But, um. But, yeah, it, it's, it's a funny show, and I like it. Oh, Enough yeah. to get a box out of it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Probably the the my favorite thing about this is the fact that like all of it is written as Rick, like so the adventure itself is written like as if Rick wrote it, right? Yes, um, down to like the description, the the box text, and the DM text. 
Okay. Um. So like. <laughs> Here, uh, sure, spoilers, I guess, but this is a three-sentence description. Here is the block text. Uh, I'm not doing it in a Rick voice because I'm sick and it'll sound terrible. This room is dark and smells like a pet store. It's all wood chips and warm poop down here. Bunch of bats flap around the room. They look harmless. Then, outside of the block text, they are not harmless. <laughs> so, a, it's got some good humor in it, but like... It's humor for the GM. I was going to say, that's kind of a one-sided humor situation there. Yeah, like, well, because I guess you kind of get two because you'd get a laugh out of reading that. But then, like, the players are like, oh, harmless bats. Cool. Walk in there and then just immediately get attacked. So there's some humor in that, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I hit something and everything's falling. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it, it's all written... Uh, like that, and there's a lot of Rick and Morty references. Like you said, you haven't watched the show, so you're not going to get them. Yeah, no, I like, I probably would just be able to be in it for the <laughs> adventure not, itself. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil what stuff is in here, but a lot of my favorite jokes are are in here in some form or another. Um, and I, I I do enjoy that they that they did that because you know it's Rick and Morty, so let's get all of the Rick and Morty jokes mm-hmm. we can in there. Um, but that's kind of like as far as good I can say about it because again, so it's, it's kind of the same thing that we had with that stranger things box where it's cool. It's stranger things, you know, it's Rick and Morty, you know, it's stuff you love, Mm -hmm. but I don't know who I would recommend this to. Yeah. That's because because it's not a great starting. No, this is like, if someone came up to me and was like, Hey, I've never played D&D before, but I love Rick and Morty. Should I get this box? I tell them, absolutely fucking not. Because <laughs> it, so this adventure is for first or third player. And it, like I said, it does have a rule book and it's a pretty thick rule book. And again, it's Rick and Morty if I, so there's flavored. A lot of, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of like artwork and, uh, and jokes and stuff like that, but it's not a way I would want someone to learn D&D because it does just kind of like turn all the rules into a joke. And then right. the angle of DMing into a joke. Because I wouldn't want somebody to read the way descriptions are done in here and think, oh, that's how I can do it. Because, like, there's no detail at all. There's not, like, there's not any of the fl- uh, flowery language that they normally use. Which I'm not saying is how you should do every room description. Mm-hmm. But at least gives you an idea of, like, how to describe something to someone. This is all a joke. It's all for humor's sake. So you don't get any idea as a first time DM of like what you should be describing. It's kind of reminiscent of how we've talked about kids DMing for other kids where it's like, because they've only experienced like other 10 year olds DMing mm-hmm. for them. That's what they think D and D is. And so it's like a first time, uh, mature player playing this like version of it. They would expect this to be D and D because this is what they've done. This is all they've been exposed to. But yeah. on the other hand, if you have a group and you love just comedy up the wazoo and you don't care about like serious campaigns and everyone's on board with that, this is probably a good starter kit. Yeah. Uh, the, but like for, but if someone was like, Hey, I love, I've played D and D a bunch and I love D and D and I love Rick and Morty. Should I get this? I'd be like, yeah, sure. But it's again, first to third level, just a dungeon crawl. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. They don't really set much up from what i'm gathering uh for to kind of continue past that i kind of wish there had been more areas of role play like if you had actually started off in their house 
Mm-hmm. Like if you'd started off in the show as the characters and like the first encounter was like in the living room, like so much of the show has had happened. Yeah. And like a bunch of weird crap happened because Rick's not a playable character in this. So I don't understand why wacky stuff like that couldn't have happened. And then it's just we lead into the dungeon. Um, like, like here, th- this this is the very beginning of it. So I, th- this is an example of like what I mean by starting it off. Uh, it's like, in front of you is a dark staircase. This is in block text. It's mysterious shadows beckon you to enter. And by beckon, I mean you need to go down these stairs or there's not really a hell of a purpose for us sitting around this table, is there? Ah. Uh-huh. So it's like, okay, so it's a joke, but that's like railroading people. So, and I, and I get it, but I, I wish that there had been more role playing this to it to get you to understand what the game is about while also keeping the Rick and Morty stuff to it. Yeah. And then the next biggest complaint I have about this is there's a bunch of Rick and Morty stuff in this and they didn't stat any of it out. Oh, they were just like, oh, just use this. So, like, the back of the book. Sorry, I snapped into the mic. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so, like, one of... There's a bunch of, you know, Rick and Morty characters who are in, and creatures and stuff. But they're like, oh, just use these stats. Just use these stats. I'm like, you... Like, even in the, the Stranger Things one, they, they statted out the Demogorgon. It would have yeah. been cool if they had statted out at least one thing to add into the game. That like, if I ever got a wild hair at my ass, I could just throw into my actual game. Just for... That'd be fucking... Humor sake. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, I can I can theme it like they do in this book, but it's kind of it's like, oh, that would have been cool if you had actually gone the extra mile and done that. That would have been nice. Yeah, I mean like now that I'm thinking about it, I mean that it was kind of a missed opportunity to make this almost like its own episode of Rick and Morty. Yeah. To where it's like somehow Rick was able to get them into like a side dimension or whatever have you and well, they kind of control it and they kind of set that up through like some stuff on the back that i didn't notice until literally before you got here uh. that's like oh yeah you know this is a world where i'm a D writer so it's like it does give some context for it but i'm like that would have been cool if you'd actually got people into role playing and they already know these characters so that'd be kind of a neat way to intro someone into role playing by you know morty just play just morty be morty yeah yeah so kind of overall like I don't, I don't, I don't know. And, and the other thing is, it's the most expensive starter box. It's $30. Yeah, it was five more than the Stranger Things box, right? Yeah, and five more than the Essentials kit. Ooh. And I do think there's, well, like there's, it feels like there's more stuff in here than the Stranger Things box. But again, I think you could play this in one night. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, it doesn't, I don't, I don't know who I'd recommend it to. It's another one of those where I'm like, eh. In the end, I honestly think it's a collector item. Um, yeah. If you're a fan of Rick and Morty and D&D, this is who it's for. And that's probably what it's yeah. going to turn into because the Stranger Things box, I don't think is getting made anymore. Yeah. I, I haven't seen it in a store in a long time. Yeah. And you're going to have that on the shelf and be like, oh, look at this. And then it's like, if, or you wanted to just play a one shot one night for Halloween or like for the release of Rick and Morty, like a new season premiere, right? Like, I think that happened just this month, like in the earlier. So it was a good timing on their part, but it's like, honestly, you wouldn't just be like, you'd be picking this up for a special occasion or to have it on your shelf. Yeah. Like if you absolutely just freaking love Rick and Morty, yeah, pick it up because it's, it's got a lot of good Rick and Morty humor in it, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. Like, I don't think I'd ever take it to a table. Yeah. So I, I, 
I have it. I mostly, I'll be 100% honest, I bought this to talk about on the show because <laughs> it's a new D&D thing and I wanted to know about it, but I also wanted to be able to talk about it because this is something that they're apparently going to keep doing, it looks yeah. like. And I mean, like, out of anything, though, you do have a new set of dice. That is true. And they are really pretty. I yeah. actually probably will use these. Yeah, so. they are They are a really nice set of dice, it looks like. So I'm, I'm not mad about that. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe I'll make a root character one day and use them. Um, <laughs> but I want, what I wanted to first talk about a little bit that I thought would be cool, and we talked about it a little bit before the show, was what do you think would be a cool thing for them to go with this? Like, they've made two box sets now that are other properties in D&D. Mm-hmm. Like, what would you want to see them do with that like what would be the next box that you think would be cool and how do you think it would be cool so i'm gonna say a little side idea that i had while we were making this right now and then i'll say my actual idea (laughs) okay (laughs) so while i was like watching you just flip through the book and looking at the box and everything i was thinking like man it would be really cool to have an archer set And like, and have everyone be assigned a class and being able to play Pam or like being able to be Archer. I I don't know who would be the DM, probably Cyril. It would be great, you know? So it's like, I would love to do that. But it's like that feeling of how I feel about Archer to that is how I'm sure a lot of people feel about Rick and Morty to this. So it's like... like, and I, and like what I would love to see is like that more of the role play aspect where it's like yeah. you know these characters just sit around the table be wacky and be these characters yeah and I mean like it's kind of that same concept of like uh, you know oh it's like oh well what Harry Potter house is Archer which one does he belong in it's like well people like us we don't really ask about the Harry Potter question more we ask about like what D D class yeah. maybe I do that constantly with my friends we talk about superheroes to nonstop about what class they would be mm-hmm. and. I would love for just more shows like that. But on a real note, I would actually more like, and this is my real idea, <laughs> if they directed these boxes towards streams, and I mean like Twitch streams or D&D streams themselves, like having a box for Critical Role yeah. specifically, or having a box towards like uh, the Force Grey, or mm-hmm. having a box towards, you know, the Sirens. So it's like any of these stream-specific D&D ones, especially that are hosted on the D&D channel, yeah. I think would be awesome. It would be such a great way to cross, like, promote their own stuff. Yeah. Not to mention it's promoting what they do best. It's community well, making like driven product. Well, the thing that I really like about that idea is that like we've even interacted with people who are like, I love critical role. I've never played D and D. Oh yeah. And like, I'm, I have talked to people who are even intimidated by the starter kit mm-hmm. because they don't feel like they have a frame of reference. If you sat them down and was like, Hey, here's a critical role box. Here is all of the main characters. Here's Vox Machina, statted out uh, levels one to five. You yep. had, and it'd be great. You could even have the voice actors like stat out them for themselves. Yeah. And it's like, okay, just play. You know how these characters act because you've watched hours. Hours. <laughs> you've, you've put hours into this Days. content. You've watched more of that than I've played Destiny. Um, <laughs> into in, into the, this property so you can play them. Yeah. And, you know, it, it would even be cool if, like, you know, you had notes from Matt. Matt Mercer, like, wrote down and was like, hey, do this here. Here's something yeah. I suggest for this part. And it's like, I think that would be really nice because, I mean, we already have the the Taldore campaign setting book. Like, it's yes, even here on the right table there. right now. <laughs> What's up? 
And like, I got in, like I said, I got into Critical Role, and when I get into something, I fucking get into it. Like I, that's not an official Wizards book. I know that. But no, no, it's uh, it's Green Ronin that put it out. Yeah, but like, well, it and gives they actually, a chance to continue that campaign. But they after also you made that setting canon in one of the recent books that I'm not going to spoil about. Yeah, they they, they really did his world. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and not to mention they've made canon several of these characters to from streams as well. Yeah. So it's like they're just literally one step away from putting it in an official campaign or like book. an adventure zone box. Yeah. Play play taco. And, oh my and god! All I would I would buy that box in a heartbeat. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. That would be really fun, and it's like. Sure, you can't. You, you could easily continue playing a as Jester yeah. from level one to twenty, or you could take that <laughs> campaign. I would love that. <laughs> and you could make your own character and make the but mighty nine it, NPCs. Yeah. yeah. Um. And and I think that would almost be a better one for like, hey, do you like this thing? Come into D and D. Yeah. Because it's people who are are already interested in D and D but too scared to play it. Yeah. And I know, and I know that's a thing. You might even be listening to this again. Go just go play. Um, but I think that would be a great way to get people comfortable with it oh, yeah. because they already know about it. They already know about these characters to just play it. Yeah, and we were talking about role-playing last episode and how it can be difficult for people to get into. And mm-hmm. this would provide a brilliant platform to people jump off yeah. of into role-playing because you already know these characters. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, if they did, even if they did Force Grey, just having Joe Manganiello, I was like, you can play Arkham! <laughs> yeah, and that would just be so cool. Yeah, and it's like, he would be something more than just a stat block out of a book. Yeah. He would be your character that you could play. The the one the one that I was thinking about um, was we we had the Ravnica book last year yeah which is cool it had a lot of great stuff in it but the thing that I that I thought about afterwards was like would I want this for every setting and then really not really like mm-hmm. I'd want it for like Zendikar Innistrad and, and Lara's dead but you know I'd still want a Lara <laughs> one because I love Lara um, but it would I think it would actually be almost more cool if with each new magic set that came out, they did a box D and D set. Oh yeah. Um, it would just make, I mean, business sense yeah. too. <laughs> it's the one in the same company. Like they just, they just had the return to Ravnica set, which they did along with the Ravnica book. Yeah. But it would have been cool if it's just like, Hey, here's also the starter kit. Yeah. If you've played magic, the gathering, but also want to get into D and D, but you don't know where to start. Here's where you start. Mm hmm. And then like, it's like, hey, if you want to keep going, oh here's the Ravnica book. That would be so cool. It's like this latest set, too. It's like you're five knights, right? It's like you have your quest and you're going out there trying to find the king. Yeah. And that would be such a cool little adventure. Yeah. And like, I don't know if I would want them to be like statting out um, planeswalkers. Oh, or no, you shouldn't. You wouldn't have to at that point. You would just because they didn't even address that in the actual Ravnica book itself. Yeah. And But I feel like that's something that they might need to do to get people into it because it's hard to explain to someone who's like, well, who am I playing? Well, you're kind of playing people that you summon in in the game. <laughs> but it's like most people care about the Planeswalker, so they'd have to do something with that. But I, I don't know. I feel like they could do something with it and have it coming out constantly, and it would be something cool to do. Mm-hmm. I know I would get into that. I think oh, I would yeah. just buy them to have them. Yeah, I mean, like... It- you could easily just kind of like flavor it as, oh yeah, planeswalkers are there. They're the NPCs. Yeah, like I don't. I'm not asking these box sets to be 
you know, something big and expansive like what Ravenloft was during what God what was it second edition mm-hmm. where they did the boxed the black yeah. box. Um, I'm but, not really asking for that. I'm just asking for something that's got con- content enough that I can take it outside of that box. And enough love put into it that it's obviously not just another copy of Dungeons and Dragons manual. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it like with if they did the Mighty Nine box, like have Matt stat or put out stats that he's done for creatures. Yeah. So I can have him in the back and just have him, you know, ready to go. You can mm-hmm. have him on D and D Beyond and stuff like that. So I love these boxes, but I wish they had more that I could use outside of the box. Yeah. Same here. It's. Because that's definitely what it is in the end is like these boxes, both the Stranger Things and this one, uh, it's like it's still the same game, but I, I would love to get more out of it. Yeah. I mean, like the Demogorgon was cool from Stranger Things, but I don't know exactly when I'll be playing with that. But also, like, I do I do still want them to be a way for people to get into it. Yeah. But with the way that this is written here, I'm like, I don't really think that's a good way to get into it. If you're going to do it, sure, cool. If it gets you into D&D, it gets you into D&D. I'm not going to tell you you're playing mm-hmm. the game wrong. Um, but I just wish that there was uh, something more. Do you know if in there they have uh, almost like links to the other uh, starter kits or essentials kit that they have in there? Like saying, hey, if you enjoyed this, come play this instead. I think there's an ad at the bottom. Oh, okay. But that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think those are some good ideas. Definitely. So let's move on to our DMs Guild Spotlight. And this week, it's going to be the, uh, it's just not the, it's Grappler's Handbook by Joshua Vargo. Uh, full disclosure, Joshua uh, provided this to us for free. Thanks, Joshua. Thank you, Joshua. You're awesome. Just want to put that out there in case, you know, that sways your, uh, your thoughts on what our thoughts are on this. Um, but basically, this is a handbook on how to improve grappling. And it's not really like, hey, let's turn grappling into something broken. It's just, mm-hmm. let's turn grappling into more than just, um, I rolled a 19. Okay, you take him to the ground. Yeah. And it's kind of like what we've been talking about recently, of like putting that extra flavor into it. So it's it kind of helps out DMs from the point of like, I don't know wrestling moves, so you just <laughs> take him down. Yeah. So it actually has him in here, and it's got some mechanical ways of going about it while also keeping it pretty light and vague. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, you know, it has in here, like what the trained classes are with these moves, uh, or backgrounds. And then it also has an adjustment to the grapple feet, which I think is a really good foresight. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's a brilliant add on because you don't want to make something redundant when you're making these supplicants because that, that or even just kind of clash where it's like, well, I have the grappler feet, but it doesn't make sense anymore because of these rules. Yeah. I mean, like that's kind of like what was happening with the UA that just came out. Yeah. It was like making a few feats kind of like, uh, what's the point of this one mm-hmm. now? Or even some, uh, you know, subclasses altogether. <laughs> um, but then it goes through like positions and ground positions, uh, giving you an idea of like what these terms mean. So yeah. like mount, guard, side control, back control. And then it goes into like the techniques. Um, and from there it gives you like, like basic choke. Use, one action, requirement, both hands free, type, choke. And then it tells you what it does. Mm -hmm. And some of these might even follow up with like, if you have a bonus action available, you can do this. So some of them will let you get them to the ground or put them in a different position. And and they might also let you do some damage to it. Yeah. It's just like, 
really when it, when I read this, I, I thought about um how on the Ack Inc. shows recently, uh, Xavier Woods has been on it. Oh yeah, the new day. <laughs> uh, sorry, I had to. And if you're a kind of funny fan, the commish. Um, a, like just letting him at this book so that he could actually like, because he says these things on the show where he's like, oh, I put him in an armbar. Yeah. Or, and like, I know they did one recently where he was talking about a move. And so he got up and like tried to show what he was doing. <laughs> so like, this would be kind of cool for like somebody like that who like, uh, we have a kid at uh, at the bookstore mm-hmm. who has a character who carries around a fold up chair. Yeah, he bases it on a, on WWE fighters. Yeah, and so like that would be really cool for him to be able to use these with. I I think it's a really good one. Um, and if I had a player come because you had a player that did um, uh, hand to hand. Yeah, I did. I had someone play the Pugilist homebrew class, and that was such a cool concept and it brought a whole new uh play style to the table that all of us really enjoyed Mm -hmm. because it took more than just like uh you know versus rolling because that's all turned into is if you play base game like raw grappling it's just like well you and i both roll a d20 and whoever wins wins that round and then we do that again later Mm -hmm. and it's like having these additional options to go in there that's really awesome and like it's not saying that you have to do these like if yeah. you're grappling you have to do them it's like no it's like not everyone knows how to put people in an arm bar you know i don't <laughs> <laughs> i know what it looks like don't know how mm-hmm. to get in there but like if you have a character that specifically learned how to do these hand-to-hand combat styles it's like you want to be able to express that especially if it's part of that character like mm-hmm. we've talked about the importance of making your character who they are right and like playing them how you want to play them this is a great way to help you play that character exactly uh well so uh, again this is grappler's handbook uh by joshua varga varga is it varga no vargo my bad i'm sick i'm sorry don't hate me uh it's 395 mm-hmm. that's a great price it's an amazing price uh joshua <laughs> You, you should i mean it's bad to say but hike that up <laughs> you, you 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 were better than, than you were pricing yourself yeah, not to um, mention just the entire formatting everything looks great yeah, yeah. It, it is a good looking book the artwork on the cover is fantastic mm-hmm. so uh go give that a look especially if you're gonna have like a fighter class or you know hand-to-hand guy coming up fantastic oh yeah all right let's get into the meat and potatoes of this <laughs> eberron it's here it's here i had doubts from the get-go when fifth edition started if we were ever going to hit this but it's here Mm -hmm. and you have the fancy book i do well it's not mine it's spencer's (laughs) Uh, yeah it's your boyfriend's who you live with it's yours yeah (laughs) um i got i got the uh the the standard one which you were awesome and brought to me while i was sick and it was my (laughs) sick reading and you're awesome um uh so what 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 are your thoughts so far i really like it you like it so let me, again, another uh, disclaimer here. I had never really heard of Eberron before really? they announced it, essentially. <laughs> There's that cough. <laughs> yeah, um, I pretty much got into D&D at 4th edition, and then we kind of played, like, our the Greyhawk setting, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was kind of like a really closed-off kind of, that's what we're playing. I didn't watch any... There was no, like, streams that I watched. There was no, like other games that I played and so that was just that's what I had we didn't play at a game store it was just our little group and so Eberron is just such a cool concept and then playing into fifth edition I'm actually learning about more past editions during fifth edition than I ever did while they're actually (laughs) out and I actually really like the idea of it because my friend Marcos too he's 
been talking about like wanting to do like a steampunk kind of concept. Here it is. And fourth and and the Dungeon Master's Guide presents that concept of like, oh yeah, you could totally bring D&D rules into whatever setting you want. And it's like, that's really cool, but that's also a lot of work. Yeah. And here they go releasing this amazing book with like an airship on the cover. And it's like, yeah, I want to get into that. I want to, I want to look into that. <laughs> I saw a good post recently that had, um, it had a picture of a bunch of those and it had a picture of another RPG called Blades in the Dark, oh. uh, which by the way, if you don't know about, it, you should go like totally go check out. It's a really cool RPG because it's about like thieves groups and uh, espionage and shit like oh, that. Cool. And it's like, hmm. Both of these have been selling really well recently in the same orders. Wonder why? <laughs> it's because like Blades in the Dark would have run fantastic in this setting because it is all about like you know espionage and like corporate things while also having that really deep fantasy setting. Yeah, because I mean like I the closest thing I guess that I had to anything like this was Shadowrun. And we didn't actually ever play Shadowrun. Like, we only ever built me, characters and that was it. five hours to maybe build a character. <laughs> and it was, like, such a cool concept of a world and, like, oh, playing that fantasy, but not future, but future. Yeah. It, it was such a cool idea, but we never actually got to do it. And here I am holding this book where it's like, oh, the chance is at my fingertips, quite literally. And I'm, I'm excited about it. I, and, I, and overall, the book itself, I've flipped through it. I like it. Yeah, first impressions for me, this is a really well put together book. I had the Eberron book for fourth edition. Mm -hmm. It was one of those books that like my local game store had a bunch of used books for five dollars. Oh. <laughs> and I just grabbed all of the fourth edition books because that's what we we're playing <laughs> at the time. And Eberron was one of them, and I had no fucking clue what the hell this was. I didn't understand that it was another plane of existence. I thought it was another continent or something. Oh, <laughs> Um, like I had originally planned to have Eberron just off in my homebrew world somewhere. Mm -hmm. I, I was a bad DM. Um, and I knew that it came with the Artificer class and I had Warforges and I'm like, I don't understand what any of this is. This, I feel like explains it very well. Yeah. Like from the get go, it's like, here is what this world is about. Let's talk about what's been happening. It's like, Okay. Here's uh here's the style of this world. Here is the idea of this word. Here's the concept. Here is the history. Here's what the current things are. And then it gets into character options. Yeah. And let's talk about those character options real quick. We got four new races? Technically four new races, yeah. Yeah, four new... Oh, yeah, yeah, because one of them's uh, the orc. Uh, so let's see. You get... Let me flip through here real quick. I know this makes great. You got the changeling... The God, what's the K one? I always screw that up. Well, you get a new orc variant. We also have the official like goblinoids too, more so than just what Volo's guide gave us. Well, you get the goblinoids in um, uh, Ravnica. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, and then the Kalistar, uh, which is very unique to this world, mm -hmm. and then the Warforge, which is supposed to be very unique to this world, but I know a lot of people have been using the Warforge in Faerun for a while. And don't forget shifters. Oh, didn't I not say shifters? Yeah. My bad. Yeah, yeah shifters also. Shifters is now officially a a real race that you can play from a book, and because yeah. there's been so many homebrews for that as well, and so now I'm I'm excited to see that. Yeah. The, uh, so and they're they're all statted out and everything, ready to go. I freaking love it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then after that, we got um, well, they they go into the yeah they go into the uh, dragon marks, which we'll get into in a second. But they also have two classes. 
Um, they have, or is it just, no, it's just one class. Yep. Just the artificer. Sick brain. Uh, yeah. The artificer, which has three, uh, subclasses. Yeah. The alchemist, the artillerist and the battlesmith. Little bit of a beef here. Mm -hmm. My sister was playing other sister, not you sister. (laughs) Um, uh, my sister was playing the archivist Mm -hmm. artificer from the play test and they went, not going to do it. Okay. So. I actually agree with that choice because Spencer was also playing the archivist yeah. um, in my game. And I tell you, it was a, it was a jarring archetype. It was. And, and I'm, I'm not going to argue that the playtest wasn't a good subclass, but I wish they had fixed it. I wish they had done more with it instead of just booting it all together. Because, yeah. like, not only is it not in this book, but now her D&D Beyond character cannot take any more levels in that class. We're going to have to restart her entire character. Yeah, and that's that's something else, too, because D&D Beyond, they actually put out a thing saying, like, oh, you can continue playing it, but you'd have to literally make a homebrew class based off of the UA material. Yeah. And because they're not supporting whatever they just had on there at all, they archived it. So we, she and I decided that we're just going to... Uh, get together and make her uh, her character into a battlesmith, which yeah. is still cool, but it is disappointing that it was just like, ah, we're just going to boot it. Yeah. And a lot of people are saying that the alchemist is nerfed into the ground. I don't personally think that. I don't agree with that. Yeah, I think it's actually just fine. In fact, I, I personally, um, I really like how the artificer turned out. Um, like I mentioned, Spencer is one of my players. We've been hand building the artificer for like it feels like two years now and between him and i we've been adjusting things building new spell lists we've been giving him things and taking away things to try to make it balanced and it's like and this feels like it's actually finally put together and spencer even said it himself he's like now i'm actually excited again to play the artificer because before it was just kind of like speaking of this dusty wrote in Said, hey, friends, now that the Artificer is in an actual book, what's y'all thoughts on it? How versatile do you think it is? And what role in the party do you think it will best fit? Stay awesome, Dusty. Oh, well, thank you, Dusty. So, uh, versatility-wise, I do think that now it does have that. Oh, yeah. Looking at what spells uh, the, uh, like, Steel Defender gets. <laughs> yeah. Or not, not the Steel uh, the battle what is it battlesmith battlesmith gets along with their steel defender and everything like you can be someone who has their steel defender up in the action while you're in the back doing support yeah this does feel very much like a support role kind of character it is it is very Um, support even though like two of the archetypes are kind of strikers but they're strikers in uh, forgive the overwatch reference here in a torbjorn sort of way yeah where it's like they're striking and doing a lot of damage, like but they're... they're also doing some supporty stuff that mm-hmm. a lot of other magic classes cannot do. Oh, yeah. No, like, it's, it's the... like the perfect mid mid player. Mid I card. feel like the closest the wizard could get is the, the naming magic one in the, in the new Where UA. you're buffing all your friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this one has a lot more buffs that you can do and a lot more spells you have access to that mm-hmm. can buff and protect. Crazy good buffs, too, because it's like the... One of my biggest complaints is that they keep releasing archetypes and character options that are better than the ones they had before. Because it's like one of the things that I really, really wanted to be good and be really well done is the Celestial Warlock. 
Mm-hmm. And yet here we go. Here's another healer that is way better than the Celestial Warlock. Yeah, um, that's The Celestial true. Warlock can only do like up to 5d6 of healing for long rest. Yeah. And it's like, oh, here's the Battlesmith. You can just restore 2d6 <laughs> healing. And it's like, oh, you can just re- you can do that up to five times. So they're already doing double Yeah. And then the you healing. get uh you get um uh what is it? Aura, vitality, cure mass wounds or mass cure wounds, yeah, stuff like that. Like it's got a lot of good healy and protecty stuff in mm-hmm. it. Not but to I do mention, get what you're saying. Like, yeah. yeah. It, it it feels like it, it they keep releasing stuff that nerfs their other archetypes that are already well built. But this one, it it's it makes me excited to play an artificer. It makes me excited to see what my sister's gonna do with it. Yeah. Um, especially like her with the steel defender, I think is gonna be great. Oh, Just yeah. adding another Pokemon to this group. Yeah, no. <laughs> we I'm really tempted to have her say, like, no, you built a suit for the kobold. And the kobold <laughs> is the steel defender, just in like this like freaking robot mech that's still only half her size. Yeah, I mean, like, we originally had the Steel Defender was from the first run of the Artificer from when they did it. So it was the, oh, you build a mechanical creature. Yeah. And And it sucked. And, yeah, but Spencer and I really adjusted it. And we made it more towards, like, a companion for a Beastmaster, et cetera, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And so it actually leveled up with you. And that's how I love that this one levels up with you. This one levels up with you. And it actually makes sense in how it goes. And if you keep going up an Artificer, it just gets better and better. Um, the other, we've been talking about Battlesmith a lot, but that's because yep. we personally are yeah. involved with Battlesmith. Artillerist <laughs> is the one that's like, is the Torbjorn kind of thing. It is. Uh, you actually get Eldritch Cannons and mm-hmm. they are so cool. So they can actually, at higher levels, provide like a buff to your player, your friends. They can, uh, of course, deal damage a ton of it too, if you're, to do it right. And... It's just, it's it's a lot of good, fun support, and it's more bodies and action economy, essentially, mm-hmm. which is great. And then there's the uh, alchemist as well, and you actually create this experimental elixir, which is a really neat thing. You roll a d8, and it has, like, oh, sorry, a d6, and it has possible options out of it, and <laughs> all of them are awesome, so you're not really upset if you get one or the other, Um and generally, like, you just get really good at doing alchemy stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's such a good flavor of a class, too. Yeah. Because if you're into that kind of game where it's like you built an alchemist, this is exactly what you're wanting if you had that character build in mind. And I, I couldn't be happier with the Artificer of how it came out in the end. I, I like it, too. I, I don't... It's not the end-all, be-all class that I feel like the internet wanted it to be. Well, it should. But I'm be. okay with that. Yeah, it it should be, it shouldn't be the one class everyone wants to play. Yeah, because that's not what D and D is. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, like they also dispersed out the attunement as well because in the latest uh, UA, they said, oh yeah, only at twentieth level can you attune up to six magical items, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it's like, oh yeah, you can actually just attune to more stuff pretty much nearly from the get-go it's like i think you get four attunement slots essentially pretty early on and then um yeah 14th you get five and then at 18th you get six and then 20th is actually a really cool (laughs) 20th level like thing it's actually really neat yeah and it's it's, which is something we were having problems with with the the ua stuff yeah like some of them are just like boring and it's like why would i be level 20 on this it it seems kind of like pointless or it's like almost 
asking me to multi-class because I'm not worried about giving up something. Mm-hmm. Whereas like at level 20, you get a plus one to all your saving throws per magic item you are currently attuned to. You can attune up to six yeah. items by them. That's a plus six to every single saving throw you have. Yep. That is a crazy amount. Not to mention, if you're reduced to zero, you can just, you know, use your reaction and one of your infusions and drop to one hit point instead of zero. That's so cool. It's the orc like a natural ability but just you can do that up to i think you can do up to six infusions or something it's at 20th level you get a crazy amount of infusions it's on the little thing here it's uh six yeah you get six of them so you get six chances to come back from the dead love it on your own well not just not be dead yeah and it's like i love that it's (laughs) i really enjoy this class but i'm also a really big sucker for support classes yeah and I've been... If they ever make a class that's just like, hey, here's Mercy. I know, I'm going... Keep going with the Overwatch references, but I'm going to do it. But yeah, it's like, here's Mercy as a D&D class. I'm like, that's it. It's all men yeah. are doing. Don't care. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I, this is exactly what I've been looking for for a support class. Because I've been wanting to build one, but I haven't been excited for to building one in a little bit now. And yeah. here I am, like, thinking about it, like, oh, I want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the other character options that they have in here is the, uh, dragon marks. Yes. Now this is deep into the Eberron lore. Uh, basically the concept is, is that each of these marks belongs to a house in Eberron. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into too much detail here, but these houses act sort of like corporations that are outside the government. So they don't have really any interest in when there is a war that broke out or like the last war that just ended. Uh Um, and they, they, they are a family. So that's why like these marks, when you use them, you are, they are a variant of a race. So like the mark of handling, uh, is a variant human mark of uh, mark of handling. That's because that house is all human. Um, and so these subclasses or these sub races give you what you know you normally get when you make a character. So like for uh, the mark of hospitality, uh, it is halfling sub race variant, and its uh, ability score increased. Your charisma score goes up by one, but then it has a bunch of features that replace the normal halfling one. Yeah. So pretty much instead of choosing like the sub race of a lot of the races here, you can actually choose one of these dragon marks yes. instead. Um, they kind of go in there and they produce uh, the similar things that a subrace would give you, like the ability score increase um, and some other benefits. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think this one is like an elf and you also get some speed involved. But um, it, it's kind of replacing that concept. And it gives you more options for races than you thought that you had. <laughs> the other thing it does is spells of the mark if you have the spell casting or the packed magic class feature the spells of the marked of uh, you know whatever house table are added to your spell list of your spell casting mm-hmm. class yeah so this is sort of like the um the spells that you get from uh the guilds in ravnica i was just gonna say that yeah they are spells that you would never think this a, a class could cast mm-hmm but they can do it. And thematically, you're casting, you're not casting them as if through normal magic, you're casting them through the mark. Yeah. So that's kind of where the theme of that comes from. Um, so that that's why they're they're extra special. I know some people have been having a problem with them because they're like, oh, well, this is broken and blah, blah. But it's like, no, it's just, it's another thing to let your players do. And it's another interesting thing to yeah. put a twist on the game. 
Uh, but I also know that these are much, these are different from the fourth edition and third edition versions of this, where they had special powers, not just spells. Oh, okay. But I like that they went with spells because it's not overcomplicating it again. If you have a new player in Eberron, this is a much easier way to introduce it to them yeah. than overloading them with information about abilities and all that stuff. Honestly, yeah. it. And the way they put it together, too, makes a lot of sense, especially to someone that is brand new to the concept of Eberron, like me. It's like, no, I could look at this page and understand, oh, yeah, this is what this means. I yep. can I can put that together. That's no problem. Personally, I don't know if I'd ever go into that because I feel like pulling in the dragon marks is like pulling in a lot of story that I don't particularly know my group would do. Right. But, I mean, like, it is fun to just have that option in there like yeah. even if you don't go into the lore of dragon marks like you can well, just straight up have that be an option and explain it away in your own home game too yeah. i for me like having the dragon marks and houses in there is kind of like okay well here is a DD adventuring party but now with someone who basically has ties like game of thrones mm-hmm. where it's like i'm house martell and people of this house don't like me and stuff like that so it's it's a little too much for me for, well, not for me, but for my group, I think, that yeah. you would care to do. I mean, like, on the other hand, though, too, is that you could use that. I mean, oh, like, yeah. you use you the could... Game of Thrones reference. Like, literally, when I was building the Game of Thrones RPG, like, when I was building their house with them, someone was like, oh, I'm related to the Lannisters. I'm like, that's going to have a huge yeah. impact on this game. So, yeah, I, I, I think if you're going to do Dragomar, I feel you need to build it around that. It's a, It would be a weird thing to just have off on the side, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, like, sometimes the buildup of characters themselves are pertinent to the story. I mean, like, think of, uh, what is it, Legend of the Five Rings. Yeah. Like, who you are is kind of big to the story. Um, The other, and I think the last character option thing, is group patrons. Yeah. Now, I know this was referred to a lot online as group backgrounds, but I don't quite feel like that's what this is. Um, group patrons is almost more like if you had, if there was a section in a D&D book about um, joining a faction in favoring. Yeah. So, it's... like, if you were going to join the Zentarum, like, this would kind of be what it would look like like they even have crime syndicate you mm-hmm. could probably use this stuff for joining the zentarum where um it gives you like all right here is uh the accommodations you get for being in the guild these are the dues these are the information you have this is the referrals here's storage how to build a group around this concept mm-hmm. uh guild contacts guild uh adventures stuff like that it's not really giving you any because when I think when I hear background, I think skills, proficiencies, and uh, flaws, boons, and all that stuff. Yeah. This is not at all what it's like. I I was thinking like the dark secret you get in um, Descent into Avernus. Right. I yeah. thought it was going to be like something here, that binds everyone yeah, together. Here is a a flaw that all of you have for being in having this patron, but it's not that at all. This is more like who does everyone work for? Yeah, and it it, it is it, like it has examples. Like here is how here's a mission that you guys could go on. Here mm-hmm. is a group member that you might know. Um, all stuff like that, and it's really cool. And it's and it's vague, which I like. It's not. Yeah. It has examples of specific things in Eberron, but it's like you could work for a newspaper. What newspaper? Well, here's one that exists, but you could make up your own. 
Speaking of um, newspapers, I wanted to get a little side note here. The entire book is riddled with these, like, mid-century style newspaper clippings. Yeah, not, not to not to get too word fancy here, but it's uh, ephemera. Like, it's got a, amazing yeah. ephemera in here where it's just like, it is in-world stuff that is just stuck into the book just for you to learn about the world in an interesting way. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, these do read it. It's like, oh, the, the soldiers are on the borders now. <laughs> yeah, it's like... The voice of Brayland, blood addicts, dragons, drug. Imagine it, a long-lasting state of euphoria, a feeling of power and energy, a measurable impact on certain magical powers, and the risk of addiction and deadly overdose of every use. And that's just like the first sentence. Oh, and it's God, like... you read that so fast. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's it's those little snippets that you like in the Dungeon Master's Guide, in Xanathar's Guide, of like Xanathar saying like, oh, but, what's a swashbuckler? What does he buckle? And it's like, it's those, but it's really pertinent I, I to feel the actual like these story. Are, I feel like these are even better than that. Oh, yeah. Like, these totally pulled me into the world and made me go like, oh, man, I, okay, I get what I could do with this world now. Yeah, they really help set up the feeling of it. Yeah. Um, which is brilliant because coming from someone who has no idea how the feeling of this world should be this really helps set it up and, and like and, and it's also good the way they do that because you're like newspaper this is a fantasy this is like i'm, I'm used to medieval stuff yeah it's like, well no like this is like there is a lot of mid-century like espionage spies private detectives stuff like that you can do in this world that's yeah. why the houses the dragon marks are like corporations so you can have that corporate espionage yeah that is where i'd love to have dragon marks come into is instead of it being about like vying for power it's like we're gonna sneak in and we're gonna steal some shit from them like i would love to run a heist in this world oh yeah no that would be actually really cool um here's looking at you dm's guild we're gonna keep an eye out for more heists right Justice, um, I'm looking at you. I mean, like, this world literally has trains in it. Yes. So it's kind of asking for it, Again, right? Again, justice. Get on <laughs> it. Um, so besides all of that good stuff in it, it, it is good. Um, it then just launches into, let's just talk about the world. And how you can use it for yes. your game. And it goes into kind of a broad thing about one of the one of the continents. Because uh, it doesn't go across everything in the world. There are references to other continents and stuff, but it sticks very closely to one of them, uh, wh- whose name I continuously mess up, and I, I don't want to try. Corvari? Corvar? I'm not going to screw it up. It's a cool <laughs> name, though. I heard somebody pronounce it and went, oh, that's how you said it. And then sick brain totally forgot. And I just forget. <laughs> um, but then it goes into um, Sharn, City of Towers. This place is so cool mm-hmm. it's like if coruscant from star wars was a city in D. yeah like the it, it it literally goes from like lava pools under the city all the way up to the towers that pierce the clouds yeah and just like in ravnica how with each uh what do they call it quadrant section district yeah. district thank you with each district they like okay so here's the major places in that district and yep. these are things that you can use in the game like what can you do there you can go shopping what what happens there like here's some tables for random events it's like who's important there and so it tells you like the nitty-gritty stuff about how to do like, it like my favorite image in here is is 
is from Sharn. And it's this image of a line outside of a tavern. There's literally a velvet rope yeah. put, uh, over the door. And there's like this hologrammed magic illusion of a red dragon holding up a stein above the door. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that. I want to play in that world. Yeah. That is so cool. I love this. Oh, yeah. The, and I feel like this is something that this book does better than the fourth edition one. It's like, I read the fourth edition book and went, this is kind of cool, I guess. I don't really get it. Weird robots, trains. <laughs> I don't know. And this one, I'm like, no, I get it. This is cool. I love yeah. this. And um, just like with the guilds in Ravnica 2, it also gives you options for hooks. Yes. For adventuring hooks. So it's like, if you're going into the Lord of Lords of Dust, which, good lord, that looks kind of like a hellscape meets yeah. like Rakdos. And it's like, oh, you roll a five. Increasingly vicious fiends attack the camp every few nights. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, that's an adventure hook right there. Yeah, like like the one that I just opened to is dragon-marked houses. Mm-hmm. So it has example ones of them, again, drawn by Dyson Logos. I love them. They're beautiful. They're oh, great. yeah. So uh, speaking of that, I kind of wanted to talk about the art in here, too. Mm-hmm. So there is a mixture uh, there's the maps themselves, which is a, a lot of them. A good chunk yeah. of them are made by Dyson Logos, which they look gorgeous. So um, there's also quite a lot of new art as well. And I specify new art because there's also a lot of um, older art. Yes, there's a lot of art in here from 4th edition. And I believe there's even some from the 3rd edition book. And I'm not upset about that because a lot of it is very iconic. Yeah, but it's like... It is a little jarring. Yeah, because I, I even asked my friend Taylor, I'm like, what do you what do you think about this one? Because I showed her a picture that straight up looks like something that I've seen on the Pathfinder like DM screen. Mm-hmm. And she's all like, that looks really weird. I'm like, that doesn't feel like D&D. She's like, no, not really. Like, it, And so... It, it is a different style from yeah. what they've been going for. It's very rough, gritty, and, and dark, and ver- a lot of sharp angles. Yeah, and so it's like when you're looking through and you're just paging through it, it's like you see the the classic, like, drawn, uh, really gorgeous digital art that they've done, even like some oil painting kind of style too. But then you get towards that random picture where it's like, it's very obviously the older art. It's kind of, it's a little jarring. That's yeah. the, the best word for it. Um, also in this book, uh, it does have an adventure. It's yes. a first level adventure. I think it's a little bit shorter than the Ravnica one. Um, but, uh, from what I understand, I haven't had a chance to read through it, but from what I understand, it's got some good jumping off points. That's good. So once again, I do like that they are putting at least a small adventure into these setting books so that you have an idea of what to do. Yeah. And I mean, like it also is great for the DMs Guild again to where you have an idea of like, this is what they're wanting in a way. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited about it because especially for someone who's never been through Eberron or even knows about it. Having that first adventure is such a lifesaver. Yes. Uh, then it goes into some treasures, some magic items, which are pretty cool. Again, more information about how this world works. Not going to go too much detail on that because you could just fall down a rabbit hole. Side note, there's prosthetic limbs now. Yeah, that's which is really, really cool. cool. Yeah. Uh, my only my only complaint about them is that you have to be attuned to them. Because it's like... It makes sense, It makes sense, but honestly, if you want to have a character that has a prosthetic limb, you can just take away all the magical part of it. But think about, like, how cool that is for, like, an artificer. I know. It's like, oh, I don't have enough magic items to attune to. It's like, okay, but... So you make a character that has these prosthetic limbs and stuff like that, and then you use that ability where you're shutting off 
Mm-hmm. Them. So then you're like losing use of your arm, but you're not dead. Yeah. They also have a few other fun arm stuff too. Like they have a, like a straight up a go-go gadget, like launching arm. I love it. <laughs> and it's, they have a ton of cool, like mid-century, but futuristic. So, you know, steampunk kind of stuff. Like they have <laughs> ventilating lungs. Yeah. They have a, just like I said, the, it, there's so many cool things in here. Uh, after that, you've got the bestiary. Um, from what I understand, they have statted out some things that they've never statted out before in Eberron books. I don't mm-hmm. know enough about it to really like tell you which ones they are, oh, but there's yeah. some pretty big hitters in here that are really cool. Yeah. You've got some really cool new big villains that you can throw in anywhere. I mean like they're CR 22, 24 and yeah. up. It's like, you got some really cool stuff in here and some crazy cool looking things as well. Um, the other thing that I like is that towards the back, they've got some more animals and stuff, but they also... Just have stats for a Warforged, a Changeling, a Kalistar, a Bone Knight. Just They, they even call it generic NPCs. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great because, you know, I know I default a lot. It's like, oh, it's a human and I don't have any stats for it. It's a bandit. Yep. So I like that they have those options in there that are a little more specific. Because I know I've used bandits for elves and crap before. And I'm like, eh, I don't really know what to do with that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what we were wanting for when they gave it. I think it was in... It wasn't in Xanthar's, it was in Volo's, where mm-hmm. they gave a ton of NPC yes, stat blocks. Yes, 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 So that way it's like, well, I have this noble, but I don't really want to use the really terrible noble stat block here. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, I'll make him a knight. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm like him a commander. Yeah. Before, um, uh, uh, is it Ariana from Chris Strahd? Yeah. Uh, before I I statted her out as a paladin, I just used the knight stats. Oh, it yeah. It really well. Yeah, no, and that's, it's really welcoming to see more of those just everyday NPC stat blocks. Mm-hmm. Overall, I first impression, I really love this book. Oh, yeah. Um, I want to use it more and read it more before doing a ranking and reviewing of it. Mm-hmm. But I'm... <coughs> sorry. Um, I'm about as pleased as I was with the Ravnica one. Yeah. Uh, easily. So if... Um, I, don't, you know, like, I don't know if I would do a game set in Eberron... Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't think I'd do a campaign. I would definitely do some one-offs in it. It's got a lot mm-hmm. of good one-off opportunity, at least for me right now. Um, but if someone has been looking forward to Eberron, because like I said, at the beginning of fifth edition, I didn't know if we were going to get this. Yeah. I, I legitimately thought about Eberron, uh, and was like, I oh, are we ever going to see that one? Cause we're set in Faerun now. Yeah. And so if you've been looking for that, I feel like this is a good book that and it is totally worth what you've been waiting for Mm -hmm. and if you have been looking forward to it and you have it now let us know if there's something completely missing oh yeah no if if this if you're like oh no you're missing the most important thing that they didn't get let us know send that into difficultyclass at gmail.com we'll talk about it Mm -hmm. well i think that was a pretty good talk about that yeah. Uh, so let's move into our listener question, which is uh, about the uh, similar similar topic. Uh, so Hector wrote in. He says, hello, folks. So this week, everyone is intensely excited about the release of Eberron. I have to admit that while I'm excited to see new D&D settings come to 5th edition, I'm a bit lukewarm towards Eberron as I only played the setting once and I didn't hold much interest for me. It's D&D, um, it's D&D other classics. Oh, wait. It's D&D's other classic settings that hold more interest to me, mostly for nostalgic reasons, if I'm being completely honest. I've been playing D&D since 1989. I did not know that, Hector. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, So I have seen a lot of settings come and go. Uh, Which brings me to my question. 
Which D&D setting are you most excited to see next now that Eberron is published and in our hands? You listed some, some options here. Dragonlance, Dark Sun, Greyhawk, Spelljammer, Planescape, Myster Mysteria, Mysteria, Myster something, uh, Birthright, Red Steel, Council of Worms. Uh, I hope you guys have fun researching some of these obscure ones uh, you may or may not have heard of on the uh, list above. Uh, may your new Eberron adventures be fun, Hector DM at large. Well, thank you, Hector. Thank you, Hector. You, you're awesome for writing in. Um, so we talked about this a little bit off air. Yeah. Um, personally for me, I spell jammer or Planescape, I'm there. That's something that I've noticed a lot, um, kind of keeping up on Twitter Everyone is kind of really into the concept of bringing back Spelljammer. Yes. Um, well, because, like, it was a really kind of loved uh, supplement from the fans. Yeah. And, like, there were splat books and stuff that came out, but it felt like they that eventually it was just kind of thrown to the wayside. So, and I think that's why it has this cult following around it, where it's like, no, this is weird D and D. Like, we love yeah. D and D, but we want it weird, man. <laughs> yeah. And and Wizards hasn't been shy about it with Fifth Edition. Um, I won't say in what campaign book, but there is a spelljammer ship in one of the books. Oh yeah, I remember looking up like pretty much how to essentially run that whole situation and everyone was like so there's straight up a spill jammer ship here yeah and uh, and i'm like well what's that and so that got me down a huge rabbit hole <laughs> I, I actually ran that part of that book at the bookstore and my players ended up getting it working again and took it out and now they're just off in space <laughs> and if you it, so so real quick to give you some heads up if you don't know what spell jammer is the essentially and what the front of the book said was it's dungeons and dragons in space yeah and and that's what it is like i don't know if you know this listener uh but there's actually a lot of stuff in DD that is from space they are aliens they just don't tell you that yeah beholders mind flayers they're aliens yeah there is a planet a nightmare hellscape planet that is all beholders <laughs> what a fucking nightmare <laughs> so Spelljammers explores that Planescape is also weird mm -hmm. it's more of getting to those other planets by means of magical like you know kind of like teleportation and shit and what is there in between is that where the um the city of doors is yes. yeah 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 sigil like so sigil's been referenced like a ton it, it's either sigil or sigil it's yeah. said either way whatever that, that place has been referenced like a ton in like every other campaign book i feel like and a lot of my campaigns yeah and then in a lot of these um campaign books like the settings too because it's like in oh gosh well, what was it it was the one i was just reading oh no it was it was eberron Oh, yeah. Uh, there in the artificer, it was saying, like, oh, yeah. And one of the more famous artificers is from the city of Sigil, like uh, V or mm. Vi, whatever her name yeah. is. It's, oh, Vi. Yeah. Yeah, that's who Jeremy Crawford plays. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, and it's the woman who is on that picture yeah. that wasn't the cover in the end. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's a huge concept, but it's like, when are we going to get that? <laughs> now, as excited as I would be about those, uh, so uh, full disclosure, Hector, you said I look forward to you guys researching, having fun with that. We didn't have time. We had work. And yeah. I'm sick. I didn't have time to look up the ones I didn't know. So the Both ones I, <laughs> the ones I'm familiar with, Dragonlance, Dark Sun, Greyhawk, and then Spelljammer and Planescape. I'm not familiar with the other ones. So Spelljammer and Planescape, top. Really, Spelljammer, I think, would probably be at the top for me. Yeah. Because Planescape sometimes gets a little too weird, but I'd love yeah. to see what they do with it now. 
I mean, like, you know, there's... What would they call it? Space Finder? <laughs> well, uh, Star, uh, Star, Star Finder. Star Finder, right. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, Pathfinder well, is their space No, thing. like, like Star Finder is, like, hard sci-fi with magic. Yeah. Like, Spelljammer is like, no, these spaceships run on magic. Yeah. Like, you took a boat and put a magic thing in the thing, and now it's a magic space flying thing. Yeah. Like, there's, there's very little sci-fi in it, other than space and aliens. Um, for me, Dark Sun... A lot of people may not like this. I really don't like Dark Sun. Huh. It is, it's really like it, I. I think the concept of it was kind of more like Conan the Barbarian sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, I'm I got to be in the right mood for Conan. Yeah. Um, and it's very dark. It's very. Um, I mean, we talked about it recently. It came up with that. It's very racist. It's very uncomfortable. It's very sexist, and it. It's not something I like playing at the table. The mm-hmm. Also, the other really annoying thing, magic is illegal. <laughs> so it's like, and, and uh, I could be wrong about that. I'll, full disclosure, like I, from what I remember, magic is illegal there. So it's like a big problem anytime you're a magic user. That may have just been the thing that I had been listening to that did that. It may not <laughs> right. be the official thing. But yeah, that was another thing that kind of turned me off to it. I'm just like, I don't want all of these limitation things and all of this like dark, fantasy crap because i don't particularly like dark fantasy game of thrones beat it out of me yeah also any description about food um do you know anything about dark sun no not at all uh do you know anything about any of the other ones on here only greyhawk greyhawk (laughs) so so dragonlance you know it's it is different from greyhawk but i feel like both of them have the same problem if you put out the faerun book which i guess is kind of the sword coast adventures guide but it should be better yeah um i i think that might be an easier sell than greyhawk and dragonlance and the reason for that is because we already have stuff set in there so people are already curious about more Mm -hmm. information on it however what has been cool about ravnica and eberron is like hey this is your D D, but different yeah this is your D D, but with robots with uh you know new races with like city-sized planets and stuff like that yeah. or city-sized planet planet-sized city Blah, i can't talk um although city-sized planet would be fun <laughs> um i feel like greyhawk and dragonlance would be a hard sell because it's like hey it's more high fantasy yeah no you got a great point and like greyhawk i for me has a great selling point it's like hey this is gary gyax's homebrew world this is where D started this yeah. is where tomb of horrors comes from yeah I love that. Sorry for that loud click. That was my fault. I, I hit something. Uh, but I I like the idea of Dragonlands and Greyhawk, but as a consumer who doesn't know the history of d and I don't know how you would market that. Yeah. I really don't. No, I feel like before they would do that, they'd have to put out a Faerun book. Yeah. I mean, like, and I think I mentioned it when we talked about um, wrapping up all the new UA classes is that I really hope they're putting out all these new possible archetypes as a bundle with Faerun setting yeah. book because that would be amazing because it's like we have the Sword Coast guide but the Sword Coast is literally like a teeny tiny little spot yeah. of Faerun like, itself. I'm, I'm not saying we need the entire continent info but more than just and it's not even all of the Sword Coast it's just little bits of it here and there. Yeah. And it's like I would love because uh, I mentioned this before people don't know about Faerun that much. Yeah. The only like knowledge about Faerun is 
not fifth edition Faerun, mm-hmm. and it's like is old canon stuff. Which, yeah. granted, I mean that's what you got, but it would be great to have an updated setting book that's like declaring, yeah, this is what's going on and what's tied all these campaign books together. Now, the one thing they could do, like what they did with Eberron, where like in the last two editions, like the big thing has been the war that's going on. Yeah. And this one was like, we're fucking ending it. It's over. This is afterwards. So it was a big event that happened so that it pulled those people in that were like, oh, well, I remember Eberron. Yeah, like you there's something, something new. Yeah. And so... But I also feel like Eberron has an appeal to people who didn't know the old editions. Like, you didn't know them, mm-hmm. but you were really excited about this book. Yeah. But if there was another setting book that just had a knight on it fighting a dragon that we've seen so many times before, it didn't have any, it didn't have a warforge, it didn't have a flying ship, it didn't have a woman with like sparking magical energy around her hand mm. that you've never seen before. I don't know what the shelf appeal of those books would be. Yeah, I don't either. Like, Dragonlance could be more of, like, the old medieval fantasy with the knights and everything like that. But it's still, I don't know what it is that would pull someone in the seat on a shelf and go, oh, what's this? Besides yeah. it being a new D&D book. Yeah, because, yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm picturing that box yeah. now, right? Now, you, you put a book on there, it's just like... Here's a motherfucking spaceship with a wizard on it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's that same concept of, like, chapter one in the DMG said, like, you can put da- Dungeons and Dragons in any setting you want. And it's saying, it's that concept of putting it in something other than high fantasy. That's what's drawing people to these other settings books, like Ravnica and Eberron. Mm-hmm. It's more than just that high fantasy concept it's more than just lord of the rings yeah. it's more than just you know D. it's something else yeah actually i, I just had a thought because remember that whole thing is like hey uh that uh chris perkins tweeted like hey if you really like stride you're gonna like what i'm working on for 2020 what if the setting book for that is the raven loft setting oh shit That'd be crazy. Yeah, the Plains of Dread yeah. and all that stuff. That would be... See, that's another setting book that I'm like, that would be cool if they actually brought back the Plains of Dread instead of just having Ravenloft be Barovia in the Shadowfell. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I like I love the history of Dragonlance and Greyhawk, but I don't know what you do with it. Uh, I guess when it comes down to it, we want Spelljammers and Planescape. <laughs> <laughs> to answer your question in a shorter version of what we just did. Uh, Hector, thank you for writing in. Yeah. We always appreciate it. And Dusty, thank you also for writing in earlier. But that's our show for this week. Uh, if you liked it, uh, please leave a review on whatever podcast service you are listening to. Uh, unless it's a bad one, please don't do that. Uh, also, <laughs> tell your friends. Uh, that's how we're going to keep the show going. We've gotten a lot of new listeners recently. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate every single one of you. Yeah. Anytime I see that uh, listen number go up, I appreciate your face. Um, so if we can get that going up even more, get more people writing in, we get this you know kind of this weird D&D community of talking podcast thing going, that would be cool. I'd mm-hmm. love that. Um, and if you would like to write in with your own questions or topics or suggestions or anything like that, you can send those into difficultyclass at gmail.com and we might read them on the show. If you'd like to stay up to date with us, you can follow us on Twitter at difficultyclass or on Instagram where we might be doing, well, we will be doing a review at some point in time in the future with video that is at difficultypodcast. Uh, so, ah, crap, I didn't come up with it. So until next week, don't die from being sick brain. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you.